Hi, this is Arielle Jack, Student Ministries Director here at New Life Church. Thank you for joining our podcast today. I pray the following presentation encourages, challenges, and inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy the message. Good morning. Welcome to church. If I am going to be geared up this much, you got to at least match me 50%. Okay? I, I have been waiting all week to see. I missed you last week. Um, and I am just dying to start this new series. This new series has been uh, phenomenal, not only to uh, think about how I'm going to present it, but for me personally. Um, and we're, so we're going to do this, this series. It's going to be, I'm assuming, around five weeks. Could be longer. It won't go past Easter. Let me put it that way. All right? So, um, so that's going to be great. Today, we're going to kick off this, this new series called Mindset. And the big idea of the whole series is this. Jesus tells us not to worry about tomorrow, but that's not always easy. Nor is keeping the temperature in check, excuse me, our temper in check, temperature you can do, our temper maybe not so much, especially when we see rampant injustice in the world around us. This series explores what the Bible teaches regarding our thoughts and our emotions and why it's important to take care of our mental and emotional health in addition to our physical and spiritual well-being. That's the whole, that's the, we're going to be talking about that, and there's a lot there. There's a lot there. So before we even start today, I just want to open with a word of prayer, and I want to pray over your minds and your spirits today, that you would be comforted, in, in, and that you would take this information, because all it is is information, until you apply it. Then it becomes wisdom, right? Knowledge is not wisdom. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. So we could hear this stuff all day. I could study it. I could present it all day long. But if I don't apply it on a daily basis, then it, it's wasted knowledge. Lord, thank you for this opportunity we have. Thank you that we can deal with real-life stuff here in church. Lord, we are living in a powder keg of emotional stress all around us. Lord, we need your peace. And sometimes we think that maybe the Bible doesn't really talk about it that much, but it does. So God, I pray over my brothers and my sisters, those I've known for years and those I've not even met yet. God, I pray that you would guard their hearts and minds in Christ Jesus and help us to apply this this information so that it can be lived out in wisdom. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Just a disclaimer, uh, much of the content from this series is derived from two sources, one of which is I Declare War by Levi Lusco, four key uh, to winning the battle, so it goes around the corner here, battle with yourself. Okay, so just so you know, there's no plagiarism. Say. All right, the big idea for this message is this. We live in a world where stress is a constant. I never thought I'd get an amen about that. Yeah, how many people feel that? How many people feel that? I do, I do. But what is a believer to do when stress, anxiety, and worry become more than we can handle on our own? Okay, George Washington was quoted to have said, to be prepared for war is one of the most effective means of preserving peace. To be prepared for war is one of the most effective ways of preserving peace. What I want to say to you today is this. There's a war on your heart and your mind. 
And if we do not prepare for that battle, we're going to be sunk by it. Because it's overwhelming. If we do not put into practice certain principles of God's word into our life. There is no escaping trouble in this life. Okay? In John 16, Christ himself said that in this life, you'd experience tribulation and suffering. It says, in this world, you will have tribulation. Right? That's what it says. We don't like those promises, right? We like the promises that get us out. In another, in another, another translation in the CSB, it says, you'll have suffering in this world. You will have suffering in this world. God acknowledges that. Why? If he's God, why does he just take away all the suffering? That's a good question. Maybe write that in the box and put it in the... Right? Why does God allow this stuff? He says, you will have suffering in this life. But he doesn't follow the statement up with, get over it, ignore it, stuff it down. Figure out how to do it on your own. Instead, he tells his followers to take heart. I have overcome this world. Take heart. I have overcome this world. You're going to have suffering. You're going to have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome this world. He wants us to be encouraged and hopeful because he has come to overcome every obstacle in this world. If we're honest with ourselves, however, learning to be overcome stress, worry, anxiety is often easier said than done, right? Because we know, we have the knowledge, many of us, but we've never translated that into actionable wisdom. Maybe you don't have the knowledge. This series is for you. If, it's, if you do have the knowledge, this is a reminder. If you don't have the knowledge, get excited. The study of mental health and wellness has become a, uh, prevalent in, our, in today's society. We talk about it a lot. The, reason, uh, the rise in diagnosis causes a mental health illness to become a topic of concerns for medical professionals, politicians, and regular citizens alike. What is mental health? And what constitutes mental illness? That's a long talk. I found a video that sums it up. Go ahead and play it. Mental health is about our cognitive and emotional well-being. It is just as important as physical health. Mental health does not mean mental illness, although sometimes the term is used in this way. It's best to think about our mental health as existing on a continuum, rather than people being either mentally ill or mentally well. Our mental health exists on a continuum, and we move along the continuum according to various coinciding factors, such as our genetic makeup and upbringing, particular life circumstances, and the pressure we are under at any given time. At one end of the continuum, we have mental illness or ill health, such as depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder and schizophrenia. And at the other end, we have mental health or mental wellness, when we are thriving, content and fulfilled. We should all aim to recognize and notice changes in mental health and support each other to move along the continuum to return to positive mental health. 
The World Health Organization describes mental health as a state of well-being in which every individual realizes his or her own potential and can cope with the normal stresses of life, can work productively and fruitfully, and is able to make a contribution to his or her community. Being mentally healthy can include being resilient and able to cope with difficult times, feeling in control, being confident, feeling good about yourself, managing and expressing your emotions, building and maintaining good relationships. We all experience times when we feel under too much pressure, are worried, anxious, sad, afraid or angry. These emotions contribute to our usual state of mental health and are an expected part of our makeup. However, if these emotions are persistent over time and begin to interfere with our ability to do what we could, should or want to be doing as part of our daily functioning, this could be described as a mental health issue. With the right support, treatment and adjustments, we may well return to a state of restored mental health. Without these things, mental health issues can develop into a mental illness. There are different types of mental illness. These can be diagnosed by a healthcare professional, such as a GP or psychiatrist. A mental illness can significantly impact on a person's daily functioning, interfering with family, interests, social and work commitments, but it doesn't define them any more than a physical illness would. There are many ways we can support someone to understand and manage the symptoms of a mental illness and signpost for the help needed. It's important to pay attention to your own mental health too. It can be difficult to ask for help or to know how to offer support when you're concerned about someone's mental health. This may be due to barriers such as the stigma associated with mental health, lack of understanding around mental illness, uncertainty of how to get help, the fear of disclosing a mental illness to others or concern about saying or doing the wrong thing. Research shows that stigma remains one of the biggest factors preventing people from raising concerns about their mental health or seeking help early to get the support needed. It is important to remember that just like physical health, we will experience ups and downs in our mental health. It exists on a continuum. Together, we can challenge stigma, seek parity with physical health and develop our confidence to start a conversation about mental health. If you'd like to find out more, visit us at mhaw.uk.com, follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook and Twitter, or email us at team at mhaw.uk.com and join us on our journey to embrace positive mental health in the workplace. Everything sounds better in a British accent. Imagine if that lady was speaking like a Jersey accent on that. Would you be like, ah, was, it, was that uh, Fran, <laughs> the nanny? <laughs> this sounds better. But... um. Yeah, so I just want to give you up front, I want you to understand that this is something that everybody struggles with. It's not something that a person has a mental illness and that person is, you know, let's put a scarlet letter on that person, you know, unclean, you know. That's not what we're talking about. Everybody struggles with everybody. Some people struggle with it more, okay? And uh, interestingly enough, in my research, they were saying there are certain things that help somebody who struggles with mental health and what they described was basically the church a community of people support help to bring to uh, to listen to take care of uh, a community where you can uplift one another these types of things okay I mean, it doesn't solve everything sometimes it's chemical all those things but i'm saying the the best place if the church is functioning proper, properly we can have a wonderful environment but i think stigma is a big deal even in the church, and sometimes especially in the church.
When situations arise that cause us to feel stressed or nervous, our nervous system produces hormones, right, that prepare our body to defend. Fight or flight hormones kick in. The threat comes from outside. Short-term stress, such as deadlines or a near miss on the highway, can cause us to be more alert and vigilant. Long-term stress, such as prolonged illness, unresolved conflict, or ongoing trauma, however, is known to cause negative physical and emotional symptoms. Unlike stress, listen to this, this is a key differentiator. Unlike stress, anxiety is internally caused. Okay, stress comes from outside, anxiety comes from inside. It's internally caused and is defined uh, by persistent, excessive worries that don't go away even in the absence of a stressor. I've been there. I can, say, I can feel myself going, why am I so anxious? There's nothing. My life is amazing. Praise the Lord. There's nothing. There's no, there's no reason. There's no outside stressor to cause me to have this feeling. It's because it comes from the inside. Okay? It's important to note that the Bible doesn't shy away from issues like depression, anxiety, and fear. Both in the Old Testament and the New Testament are filled with accounts of men and women who struggled to hear from God because of the, these very things. Okay? Examples. I'll give you a couple examples. Elijah. Ask God to let him die. Let me die. This happens on the heels of his greatest victory. He called down fire from heaven. I don't know if that was too much of a high for him that he came down so low. He's like, let me die. I just can tell you, if you read the, if you read the Old Testament, Elijah was a basket case. He just was. He was all over the map. He was all over the map. So anybody who's a, a high highs and low, low person, just know, God can still use you. And he'll be with you, Right? The words of lament are just uh, in desperation of David and of the psalmists fill many of the psalms we still turn to for comfort. And Paul confessed that he had, uh, he had, excuse me, Paul confessed that he and his companions were, quote, were so utterly burdened beyond the strength that they despaired for their lives. That's pretty tense. That's 2 Corinthians 1.8. However, Paul goes on to say, but that we but that was to make us rely on ourselves but on God. Not on ourselves but on God. He, he, he puts a, a why to it. We were stressed. We were burdened. We were so weighed down. But that was there to help us to turn to God, to rely on God. Right? All right. Over the next two weeks, this is a two-part series. Today is one. Two-part series. We're going to be dealing with the, uh, the passage in Philippians 4. Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 4. I'm going to read the whole thing to you today, and we're going to be dissecting this passage for the next two weeks. And it says this, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone the Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present 
your requests to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me. What did we say at the beginning? Knowledge is wasted unless it turns into wisdom, right? Do what you have learned and received and heard from me, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice in the Lord greatly because, once again, you renewed your care for me. You were, in fact, concerned about me, but lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself in. I, I know both how to make do with little and know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. So we're going to be dissecting that passage for the next two weeks, this week and next week. And uh, it's a powerful passage. There's a lot in there to unpack. I would say this, the first step in living at peace in this crazy life is to obey the shortest verse in Scripture. Obey the shortest verse in Scripture. I know some of you Bible scholars are like, what? Pastor, are going to get all sappy on me. and I need to be more vulnerable. I need to weep more. No. See, Jesus wept is always considered the shortest verse. Uh, it's true that in our English Bible, John 11.35, Jesus wept being nine characters is the shortest verse in the Bible. But... The Bible was not written in English. It was written in Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic. So in Greek, uh, the shortest chapter, the shortest verse in Scripture is 14 characters, and Jesus wept is actually 16. Okay? So the shortest verse in the Bible, the real Bible, is this one. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. There's a lot in that little verse. That little verse can excite you or can completely overwhelm you. Rejoice always. The text we read today uh, drives us home when it tells us to rejoice and then puts an exclamation point on it, and it repeats it. It says this, Philippians 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Now, this gives a little bit more commentary on the First Thessalonians, because it's rejoice in the Lord. 
Rejoice in the Lord. No matter what circumstances you find yourself in, there's always a place to rejoice because we rejoice in the Lord, not in our current circumstances. Rejoice in the Lord. He goes on to tell, uh, say, pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God. What? The ever-present joy is part of God's will for you. This is the will of God for you. Ever-present joy. I'm not talking about happiness. There's a difference. Happiness is, is also external. It comes from the outside. It has, a, has to do with circumstance. But joy comes from inside. It's the anti-anxiety. Okay. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. When we are tempted to let negative and depressing thoughts take over, we should take a moment and lift our perspective. Lift our perspective and send up a prayer that is full of joy and gratitude instead. That's what we call taking captive a thought. If you're feeling, if you're having negative thoughts, you take those thoughts captive. Don't give in to them. Don't let them control you. Instead, counter them with thanksgiving. We take them captive. Levi Lusco's book is called Declare War. And he says this, setting your mind on things above is declaring war on low Level thinking. Low level. I'll read that again. Setting your minds on things above is declaring war on low level thinking. We need to be prepared for that war. We can't let it blindside us. The Bible says you, in this life you will have struggles, stress, Anxiety, frustration, you have these things. These things are going to come. Why are we surprised by them? I don't know why I get surprised by them, because I'm not prepared for them. I think it's partly some of the things we teach in church. Whoa. You know, that we, don't, we, we, we try to emphasize the, the, the promises of God that are, are really good. If we just hold on to those promises, we should never have any stress or st- anxiety. And if you do, there's something wrong with you spiritually. I'm just going to say it right now. It's a bunch of garbage. Because the Bible says you will have tribulation, you will have trials. The second step is living a life of peace, in living a life of peace and contentment is recognizing that we are meant to face our troubles together. You're not supposed to be alone. The very, one of the very first things that God says in the Genesis is it's not good for a man to be alone. So he made woman. And then he said, women probably should be alone because men are weird. <laughs> he had to apologize to Eve. No, no. He said, it's not good for, for people to be alone. There's too much... There's too much to this life. And this is, in a, this is in a perfect scenario. Wait till sin enters this picture. 
We don't carry these things alone. Prayer is essential in maintaining healthy, a healthy mindset. That's the first thing he says. Prayer is essential to maintaining a healthy mindset. Philippians 4, 5-7 says, The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything. But everything through prayer and petition, with, with, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. The Lord is near. He is right with you. Give your concerns and your anxieties to Him. Remind, remain thankful for the blessings that you do have. We are a product of our culture in many ways. Once we achieve something, we don't even enjoy it. It's on to the next thing. I'm guilty of that. What's the next? Ever heard of the thing called buyer's remorse? Well, I have, a, I have a different problem. Buyer's boredom. This concept of like, I ain't so I work towards getting something. Because, you know, we live in a, a, a home where we don't buy something unless we have the money for it. Okay, we don't buy something unless we have the cash. So I'm like, you know, if I want something, last year I wanted, oh, man. You're going to think, oh, Pastor's such a, a, a dweeb. Um, I wanted a one wheel. I think I probably told you about that already. It's this weird skateboard thing with one tire in the middle. And it's whatever. It's not, easy, it's not cheap, but I wanted one so bad because I get fixated on something. I want it. And I saved up, and I, I sold some stuff, and I, I, I did all this stuff, and I finally got it. And I used it for like a week. Uh, I really haven't used it that much since. It was really fun for like, I don't know. I mean, I will use it again. I, honey, I will use it again. She's like, you better. <laughs> She's like, <laughs> She's like, you better. No, I mean, but think, it's so exciting when it's out front of you, and then you get it. It's like, oh, this is cool. But then what, what else is out there? Huh. And, you know, our social media feeds don't help us because once we start searching something, the algorithm kicks in, and you're presented with every other thing that is cooler than what you just bought. We're like this. We don't enjoy things. Okay? Uh, the Lord is near. We need to be a people that is thankful for the things that we do have and stop always looking at what we don't have. Now, there's going to be certain circumstances and situations that those things that are, are, are causing you stress are just over. I get that. It's not like you want a new toy. <laughs> but like, what I'm saying is there's always something to be thankful for. We need to remember that. Most importantly, it says God is near. Even when you don't feel like he is. We walk by faith not by sight. We walk by faith. We walk by the truth of the Word of God, not by how we feel. Thank God that there's something concrete that we can sit on, stand on, lay on if we have to. Because if it's all about our feelings, 
we're in trouble. That's one of the problems that we, we encounter in a charismatic environment. A church that is charismatic, Pentecostal churches are very feeling. We're very feeling. And that's great. That's wonderful. I love it. That's why I told you guys to get up off your rears and jump around a little bit because I was like, come on, let's go. But what happens when the feeling fades? What happens when the emotions shift to more of a negative thing? What if when we go to church next week, I don't get the same spiritual high that I got the week before? Maybe I have to start, start having thoughts like, maybe I need to go to a new church to get that, because the Holy Spirit's over there. Folks, the Bible says, the Lord is near. You could stand on that, even when you don't feel it. God is near. Give every concern and anxiety to him. Remain thankful for the blessings you have. You have. Let God know what is troubling your heart and mind. Tell him. If you truly give it to him, it says this, his peace will rule your mind and guard your heart from all the negativity that is vying for your mind space. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. What does that even mean? All the garbage that's filtering through your mind. This can't ever get better. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. I don't know why I'm going through this time of sickness. I don't know why. What's going on? God, what is the problem? I don't understand. Where are you? I'm here. I've never left. I'm right by your side. And I am going to take care of you. I'm going to walk through this valley of the shadow of death with you. He will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus if you will let him. If I will let him. Just as prayer is essential, so the fellowship of the saints is also essential. You're not supposed to go through these stresses alone. God is near, and you have to understand that God has given us the church. As long as the church is being the church, to help us along that route. One of the major things that happens when people get, uh, go through a time of anxiety or depression is so counter-helpful. What typically happens is a thing we call isolation. For some reason, when we're stressed or we're going through depression or anxiety, we tend to wall ourselves off from everybody and anybody who can help us. We've got to fight against that. See, the church is not supposed to be the church on your best day. The church is supposed to be the church on your worst day. That's where the church really makes an impact. In the book, Perfectly Abnormal, Uncovering the Image of God in Chronic Illness, author Chris Morris writes this. The Christian church as a whole has a trouble theologically 
with illness. One that uh, uh, significantly impacts anyone who is generally unhealthy. It's far too common for churchgoers to attribute a long-term illness to lack of faith or perhaps life of sin by the person with the illness. Read that again. It is far too common for churchgoers to attribute long-term illness to a lack of faith or perhaps a life of sin by the person with the illness. That's sad. Disciples did it too. They came across a blind man, and they said, Jesus, who sinned? Was it this guy or was it his parents? Jesus said, Really? You've been with me this long and you're still asking these stupid questions? He didn't say it that way. That was the version according to Pastor Dave. He's like, this person, this is not, this is not why it happened. Listen, people struggle with things. Why? We live in a fallen world. Why doesn't God do something about it? He did. He sent Jesus. He gave every last ounce of his blood so that we don't have to live eternally in this state. But we do live in a fallen world. Well, what if he took away all the problems in the world? See, that's so nearsighted. I'm going to tell you right now why that's nearsighted. Because that assumes all the problems are out there. You've never sinned? I'm going to tell you right now, we, talked, we showed it last week in the message when you we were at home. Your sin pollutes this world. The only way to deal with the problems of this world was to deal with the sin of this world. And until sin is cast into the lake of fire in the second death, we will live in a fallen world, and it's going to spill out over everybody. Because sin exists. And unfortunately, it too often exists in us. That's what sanctification is about growing to be more and more like Christ. So we're going to deal with struggles. But we've got to be careful as, in churches that we don't over-spiritualize people's stuff. Well, they must be, not, they must not have enough faith. One of the most amazing saints of the church that I ever met dealt with chronic illness. Mom knows what I'm talking about. Dealt with chronic illness. I'm going to tell you right now, maybe, I, maybe I'm overstepping here, but I would say I don't know much, many other people in my life who had more faith than this woman. God never healed her from her illness. She went home, and she was healed then. But somehow God's grace was sufficient for her. I don't know how that all works. But we got to be careful that when somebody comes in this door and is hurting and has, has, has a, a emotional struggles, that we're there to support them, help them, point them to the Word of God and the Holy Spirit that, enlight, that, that brings the Word of uh, God to life and not judge them. I don't care what it is, physical or emotional. We need to be a church who comes along. As believers, we need to recognize that mental or emotional struggles may be the result of trauma or health conditions 
that has not yet been recognized by the individual or diagnosed by a professional health provider. We should try to avoid labeling others as troubled, sinful, and I've been in the church long enough where I've even seen this, and shame on us, even demonically possessed or influenced. Okay. It's also vital to our overall well-being to have others be uh, who can sa- uh, safely reach to out to right when we when we know each other. See, that's why it's important for us to know each other in the church, not just like hi, COVID, welcome. And I know it's hard in this time period for us to really get to know each other and have conversations. Life groups have been kind of on hiatus. We haven't had a chance to have meals. I miss the food. I do. I miss the food. For those of you who don't know, we have, usually have food every Sunday morning. Coffee. I miss the coffee. You know what that, <laughs> you know, you know what that does? Every, it causes people to stop. It's hard to be busy with a donut in your face. Right? Break bread or entomids Danish with one another. And just spend time getting to know one another. Hearing what's going on in people's lives. Nine times out of ten when you say, how's everything going? They go, great, they're lying. I'm just saying. How many times have you done that? I don't have time to go into it right now, so I'm good. When we share our burdens with others who care for us, it helps ease the pressure we are experiencing. It kind of passes a little bit of it out so we don't have to carry it all by ourselves. It's like I have this washing machine that died. I do, true story. And I'm going to have to move it out of my bathroom now, out to the curb. Just say, anybody want to come help? I'm just kidding. Uh, but I am gonna. I have. I have extra hands. There's no way I could try to carry that whole thing out to the to the road, but it's gonna be a big weight. But when my brother gets involved, he doesn't know this yet. But that's what brothers are for. When my brother gets involved and he brings all of his hef, you know fancy dancy tools over, we get that thing out, no problem. So we've shared the weight. It's the same thing with our emotional. And our, our, our needs, our, our concerns, we can give it out. If you're willing to take somebody's a little bit of the, the corner of the table and help them lift it, it just it, it rises everything. Our vulnerability with each other can also encourage and help others who are facing similar struggles. It's hard to be vulnerable with someone you don't know. Another reason why we need to have more Danishes. I mean, I have had a person that I care for very much say, Dave, they're allowed to call me Dave. Dave, you might be too vulnerable or transparent with your church. From from experience, the person told me, many times people, when they're... they're, uh, when people are too transparent, they see it as a sign of weakness. 
rather than vulnerability. And I told that person, I said, then I'm in big trouble because <laughs> I don't know how to be anything other than what I am. Because I share with you that I have, struggles, I have struggles with some things sometimes too. So please don't, I hope you don't see it as a sign of weakness. I hope you don't see it as like, you know, pastors dealing with a demon or something. <laughs> you know, that's, that's not how it is. It's just, I'm just being real with you. I hope you can appreciate if you can't. There's another church where pastor will totally not be truthful with you. <laughs> Go enjoy that. Okay. Um, Julia Atway shared in a guidepost blog this statement. One redeeming quality of my struggle is that I can apply whatever nuggets of wisdom I learned to make someone else's life easier. I can help others in a new way. I can be a better friend, a better listener. I can ask better questions, and I can empathize first before jumping into problem-solving mode. This gives me something constructive to do with my pain. How many fixers we, how many, how many fixers we got out there? Am I the only fixer? My poor wife, man. You, you know what I'm talking about. She just wants to talk about something, and I'm like, okay, let's do this. I got 15 ways we can fix this. She's like, I don't want you, that's not why I'm talking to you about it. I don't want you to fix it. I can handle it. I just, want, I just want to share the weight. I just want to share the weight. I don't need you to fix it. I just want you to share the weight. When we, when we contextualize somebody else's pain with something that we've gone through, it's called empathy. It means you didn't have to go through the exact same thing that they've gone through, but you can empathize because you can, you can correlate that pain with your own. And you can just, it helps you to listen and realize that maybe they just need somebody to have a shoulder to, to cry on or just talk. That is, that is uh, an opportunity to um, do something constructive with your pain. When the Bible says, all things work together for good. To those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. If you're called according to God's purposes, then he can take even your pain, which was not good, and he can work something out from it, which is good. Verse 10, I rejoice in the Lord greatly because once again you renewed your care for me. You were in fact concerned about me, but lacked the opportunity to show it. When Paul wrote of his difficulties and despair in 2 Corinthians, he expressed the need for members of the body to come alongside of him, recognizing that the combined prayer of the saints would benefit not only him, but them as well. See, Paul had the same problem. He was a little bit too transparent maybe too. <laughs> he told people his, his issues. In 2 Corinthians 1.11 it says this, While you join in helping us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on behalf for the gift that, come, that came to us through the prayers of many. There's power in prayer. There's power in prayer. And I believe that there's power in prayer because of the person that that prayer is going to and that he is near to us. But in addition to that, 
There's power in somebody having a bunch of people come around them and pray for them. Carry a little bit of the burden. Caring for our mental health and emotional well-being is important to God and should be important to us as individuals and as a church community. Remember, to take stock of the blessings you do have and lift your perspective, right? Lift your perspective. Know that you are not alone. God is near, and you have brothers and sisters in this church who will help you carry the weight. That's what the church is for. And that's one of the, two of the ways in which we combat, we battle against, we go to war against bad mindset. Lord, thank you so much that you are near. The Word of God says you are near to the broken hearted. Blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. You always talk about how you are right there waiting to walk through the valley of the shadow of death with us. If we would just lift our perspective. And God, I pray as the body of Christ here on this earth that we would help people to lift their heads. To lift their perspective and not just tell them what they need to do, but carry some of the burden can be so teachy. Help us to be people who are servants helping one another in our time of need. God, you are so good. And Lord, right now I ask that you just comfort the hearts of my brothers and sisters, those who are going through stress, anxiety, and struggles, Lord. Lord, that you would just lift them up. Lord, give them the peace that passes all understanding for you are with them. God, I pray right now that as we go out into our world and we're not in this little incubator here, this little bubble, Lord, that we would remember and we would turn the knowledge that we've received today into wisdom by applying it to our lives. We praise and glory in Jesus' name.